Welcome to Thoughts in the Market. I'm Andrew Sheets, Chief Cross-Asset Strategist for Morgan Stanley. And I'm Robin Xing, Chief China Economist for Morgan Stanley. And on this special episode of Thoughts in the Market, we'll be discussing the 2021 outlook for China's economy and how that outlook could affect markets. It's Tuesday, December 1st at 12.30 in London. And 8.30 p.m. in Hong Kong. Robin, let's start with your outlook for China's economy. What do we think growth could be next year in China? And where do you think that puts us relative to consensus? The key really comes down to what's going to drive China's next leg of recovery. This year is largely the manufacturing sector because they normalized the factories, this export capacity ahead of other economies. But next year, with the global economy on track to resume its pre-COVID trajectory by second quarter 2021, we think China will be largely relying on its domestic demand. So what's different between our view on China's growth and the consensus lies in our assessment of private sector risk appetite. We think China is moving to a more self-sustaining phase of the recovery, driven by the private consumption, which could rebound sharply with the income growth, job market recovery, and the unwinding of excess savings, plus the manufacturing capex, which could finally recover after a multi-year downturn. On the contrary, I think the consensus is more focused on the impact of potential tightening from China and what if China is going to lose export market share once other countries resume production. We are aware of these concerns, but we think this still very strong global recovery plus the private sector confidence uh, normalization would be more than enough to offset uh, these dragging factors. So even if China is losing some market share in global exports slightly, its manufacturing and consumption will still hold up at a reasonable level next year. And so, Robin, if I put that into numbers, what sort of GDP growth are you expecting from China next year? A 9% real GDP growth, up from 2.3% this year. I think our base case is probably the bull case for many other brokers. Uh, and again, that's based on our view on a very strong recovery in the private consumption to probably double-digit growth in retail sales, plus the manufacturing capex could finally recover from a minus 3% this year to 6% growth for next year. So I'd like to drill into that rebound in in private consumption, because as you mentioned, that's a transition of the growth outlook. I think when a lot of investors think about China, they think about manufacturing, they think about exports, they they don't think as much about the domestic consumer-led economy. And so, you know, if you think about what's going to drive that and what sectors within China's economy are going to benefit most from that, that rise in consumer demand, how do you see that playing out? I think there is a lot of investors debating on if the recovery will be sustainable. Uh, We see three drivers behind our narrative on a consumption recovery. First is this partial unwind of excess savings. If you look at the Chinese household savings in a normal year, they save 30% of their income. But this year, the saving rate came in very high at 37% in the first three quarters. But next year, that excess saving, which is equivalent to 6% of China's annual consumption, could be uh, released. And secondly, it's about the recovery of job market. Um, now we have a very strong manufacturing sector benefiting from the global demand recovery. That 
usually will lead China's wage growth by around three to six months, given the spillover to the services sectors uh, and also the continued normalization in some social interaction-based services sectors with the an equation between the virus and the economy continue to improve. And finally, we think there is some further room of this consumption reshoring we mentioned in previous episode of Thoughts on the Market. That's roughly more than $260 billion per year. It's a lot of sectors lagging behind this year, like this travel, tourism, entertainment, um, lodging, catering. I think that's the sectors which will benefit a lot from this unleash of excess savings next year. So, Robin, I think that is interesting because, you know, I can imagine that one of the concerns investors have is that if if Morgan Stanley is right on our growth forecasts, if you're right that we're going to see 9% GDP growth next year, then, then wouldn't that cause um, authorities in China to start tightening policy in response to that strong growth? And that tighter policy would then um, create kind of other challenges. So how much do you think policymakers will try to rein in that growth if it really is coming in as we expect? I think that brings us to what type of a policy framework China has been operating on monetary, on credit since 2016. Uh, we call it a counter-cyclical policy. Uh, they have a big picture target to contain the debt-to-GDP ratio, the macro leverage, they call it, because of the concerns on financial risks. Um, so in a normal year, they try to set a credit growth target consistent with the nominal GDP growth. So in that way, they can manage the debt-to-GDP ratio. However, this year was quite unique. With the COVID, with the recession in the first quarter, they provided the stimulus. Credit growth was at elevated level. Now, as we mentioned, because this um, private sector confidence is coming back, on the back of a strong global demand and the domestic consumption recovery, now that provided room for this counter-cyclical tightening uh, to ring in leverage and the financial risks. So that's why they are going to tighten. Um, so first in, first out, and the first exit, that's what we call for China's growth and policy framework this and the next year. So it's like a deja vu of 2017, when a synchronized global recovery gave China some confidence on tightening on credit growth, but it's Private sector dynamics remained quite healthy, continued this recovery trajectory back in 2017. So we think it's pretty much similar to what happened that year. And finally, the tightening will likely be in the form of financial regulations and some fiscal tightening so that they can bring down credit growth to a level consistent with nominal GDP. We're looking at a new U.S. administration coming in in January. How do you think trade and exports might play out um, in 2021 and, and beyond? And also, I'd be curious, when you talk to investors in China, what do they think will change or won't change with the Biden administration? Well, that's a question we have been asked many times, and, and no doubt an important one for global economy, for China. A lot of the investors in Asia, they expect the non-tariff barriers between the two countries around critical technology, around security, geopolitical issues, they will largely continue. So a lot of these U.S.-China tensions may endure because these moves have enjoyed bipartisan support in the U.S. That being said, 
Investors also believed the new administration could take on a different approach and and policy tone towards things like trade tariffs. I would say if we take a step back, all this discussion among investors about the U.S.-China and the new administration is still pretty much fitting in our house view of a multipolar world. That is, the U.S. and China will increasingly compete directly in in multiple sectors such as tech, security, health policy, financial market. While the rest of the world attempt a balancing act, so I would say the multipolar world thesis is still our key view, even with a new administration in the U.S. So Andrew, we know from a China first in first out story in 2020 to a broader EM recovery in 2021. Now we see growth next year. To converge, basically,、uh, the economy is lagged in countries like in South Asia, in Southeast Asia. They may catch up, narrowing the growth divergence between North and South Asia. So, what will the impact be on on our equity market? I think you know you have seen China be a relative economic outperformer this year because of that kind of first in first out dynamic with the virus,、uh, and also it, its equity market has been a very strong performer because its equity market has been very geared towards、um, many of the large technology companies that have been leaders this year. And so, you know, I think if we're we're thinking about 2021 looking more normal, looking broader based, seeing that global expansion broaden out, and also seeing the equity rally broaden out, my, my sense is that you could see some. Of that leadership、um, transition, and that the market would look towards、uh, economies that have been bigger underperformers this year, turning into to leaders next year. And so, I think that could be a, an interesting place to look again, as as kind of we look to see kind of what that next leg of global growth looks like. So, the last question for you: What other trades are you watching with respect to China? Well, so the one other thing I I, th- I think that's worth mentioning is, is China's bond market, which, which I think is interesting both from an investment standpoint and, and kind of a, an international trade standpoint. So, in theory, you know, Chinese government bonds are kind of interesting in that they they're starting off with a significantly higher yield than bonds in, in other markets, and also both bonds and stocks in China have relatively low correlation. To to equity markets and bond markets elsewhere, you know, to your to your earlier question about you know kind of China becoming a little bit disconnected from the global economy, I think its market is also a little bit disconnected. It can, it can kind of sometimes be on its own program,、um, for for better and and for worse. And and from an investor standpoint, that can be attractive, right? We're all looking for less correlated assets in a portfolio, uncorrelated exposure in a portfolio. And so, to the extent that China's stock market or China's bond market is going to be driven by factors that are domestic and not Not global, then that could mean that they can provide pretty attractive、um, diversification benefits to a global portfolio. Robin, thanks again for taking the time to talk. Great speaking with you, Andrew. As a reminder, if you enjoy Thoughts of the Market, please take a moment to rate and review us on the Apple Podcast app. It helps more people find the show. The preceding content is informational only and based on information available when created. It is not an offer or a solicitation, nor is it tax or legal advice. It does not consider your financial circumstances and objectives, and may not be suitable for you.